everybody. We are here, Dave Therrien, Hope Radio. Also, the Hope Club Podcast. You don't want to miss out on that either. You know why? That's that's a great drive time activity. Just go to the Hope Club Podcast. Make good use of your time out there riding around, going to work, going home, running errands, joyriding. The Hope Club Podcast. Redeem the time, the Bible says, because the days are evil. Hey, let me ask you. Did you ever find yourself doing something over and over that's not right, but yet (laughs) you never learn? And you just kept doing it? Who am I talking to today? Maybe it was a bad habit. Just keep doing it over and over and, and you don't learn from it. Maybe it's a particular response to something that you didn't like and you keep responding the same way. You can't break it. So many things can, can cause us to repeat behavior that we don't want that behavior, but we do it anyway. Isn't that a mystery? Well, that's where we find the people of Israel today. We're walking with Moses. And uh, I want you to remember their first complaint against Moses. Remember when they left Egypt and they were out in the wilderness and they're on their way to the land of promise. Now, that's a good thing, right? It's like, imagine them being on their way to the land of promise is like being a kid in the car on your way to Six Flags. I can't wait to get there. Oh, that's going to be so much fun. So you're very optimistic. You're very positive. And that's where these people were. Well, maybe in the beginning. But then they came to the Red Sea. And they saw the water in front of them. The mountains on both sides. And here comes those angry Egyptians. And you know what they did? They grumbled against Moses. Because they said, Moses, man, you brought us out here in the wilderness to die. Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? Couldn't we die there? And I bring us out here to die. Now, see, that wasn't true because God parted the sea. And they walked across. So that was a good thing. So now they're traveling again through the wilderness. And they're grumbling again. Repeated behavior. This time they grumbled. Because Moses brought them out. So they thought to kill them with starvation. They were hungry. Moses, we haven't seen a subway. We haven't seen Waltz roast beef. We haven't seen any place to get food. We're hungry. Now again, they complained, but God provided them. He provided for them. And he brought them food. He brought them manna in the morning and quail in the evening. They had plenty to eat. Matter of fact, the Bible says they had so much quail, it came out their noses. I'd say that's just gluttony. That's what that is. Gluttony. And the point that I want to make today is that even in our complaining, God still meets us there. Oh, that's the grace of God. He meets us in our complaining. When they complained about being trapped like rats, he parted the Red Sea. When they complained about being hungry, he brought them food. So now 
We're in Exodus chapter 17. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. All the congregation of the sons of Israel, they journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin, according to the command of the Lord, and they camped at Rephidim. Uh-oh. And there was no water for the people to drink. Guess what they did? Verse 2. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses. It means that they contended with him. And they said to Moses, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, What, do I look like a magician? (laughs) Not really. But he did say, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? Oh, why do you test the Lord? Now remember, last time in Exodus 16, Moses said to them when they grumbled about food, your grumbling is not against us, me and Aaron, but it's against the Lord. That when you find yourself complaining about your situation, you're complaining against God. The walk of faith is not the easiest walk. You know why? Because it takes faith. (laughs) That's why it's called a faith walk. A walk of faith requires faith, trusting in God. So verse 3, the people thirsted there for water, and they grumbled against Moses, and they said, why now have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So notice, every time they're in a situation they don't like, they think Moses is trying to kill them. He's going to kill them by the hand of the Egyptians. He's going to kill them with starvation. He's going to kill them with thirst. But now this time it's even worse. Because you know what they did? They said, Moses, now you're trying to kill our children and our animals. They included children and livestock. Probably trying to add more guilt to Moses. You ever do that to someone? Try to make them guilty? Or someone ever try to do that to you? Make you guilty because of where they are? I call that the blame game. Somebody doesn't like where they are, so they find someone to put the guilt on for their, for their situation. Maybe it's their choices that got them there. I don't know. But they look for someone else to lay the guilt upon. And they figure, hey, Moses, he's a good candidate. Let's blame him. So Moses... He did what any good leader should do. You know what he did? He prayed. So in verse 4, he went to God. and says he cried out to the Lord. So that's pretty good. He said, what shall I do to this people? A little more and they will stone me. Moses, he's got a tough job. He's going to lead all these people, their malcontents with every situation that challenges them. You would think after seeing those ten plagues, they'd be like, Oh yeah, man, we're on board. Don't you worry about us, Moses. We got your back. We've seen what God can do. We're not going to worry. No, not them. They complained every time something happened that they didn't like. So, the beautiful thing about this story, though, God met the people where they were, and they're complaining. That's the thing. So God said, okay. When they were hungry, he said, I'm going to send manna, and I'll send quail. Now they're thirsty. So he says, I'm going to send water. So God told Moses to take his staff 
that he struck the Nile River with. Remember that when it turned into blood? He said, Moses, there's a rock at Horeb. And I want you to take your staff. See, the staff was a symbol of power and authority. And holding it was a sign of dependence and trust in God. There's nothing magical about the stick, but it signified that he trusted God. And whatever God said, he would do. Maybe that's why the Bible says Moses was the meekest man in the earth. Meekness. Trusting God and doing whatever it is he says to do. So God said to Moses in verse 6, Behold, in other words, pay attention. (laughs) I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb. I like that. What was that like? Was he visible? How did he make his presence known? I don't know. But Moses knew he was in the presence of God. That'll give you boldness, won't it? And he said, and you're going to strike the rock. And water will come out of it that the people may drink. Now, you know, you think about that and it's like, you mean if I go hit that rock with this stick, water's going to come out? Um, I'll tell you what, that takes a lot of faith. That takes, here it comes, knowing God. I wonder how many of us know God that way. To do something that sounds so crazy, but trust Him that it's going to work. So, Moses did so. What? In the sight of all the elders. This would have been pretty embarrassing. If Moses hit that rock, what if he went to the wrong rock? And he hit that rock, and nothing happened. And all the elders are like, I think Moses is losing it. I think Moses has heat stroke. He, he, he's beating on a rock with a stick, thinking water's going to come out. But you know what? He was in tune with God. And if God said to do something crazy, it didn't matter because if God said it, it's going to work. It's amazing the things God tells us to do, like forgive people we don't want to forgive, love people we don't want to love. And yet when we do them, it always works out for the better. Have you noticed that? But you got to do it in faith. So now we have a second miracle. The first one, God removed the water. The second one, he brought the water. This is the second water miracle. Now, verse 7 is a commentary on their faith. He named the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? See, I think people then and people today, they share a similarity. And this is when you're hyper-spiritual. When you're hyper-spiritual, if things are working against you, you think God is gone. And then when you're all happy and bubbly and things are going the way you want, you say, God is here. Oh, God is blessing me. I'm so happy. But then when you're not happy, oh, God has forgotten me. God has left me. Where's God? Can he see? Can he hear? Doesn't he know? And that's what these people were doing. They were saying, is the Lord among us or not? Let me tell you a little secret. He's always with you. Whether you're going through something really good or something not so good, he's always with you. That he goes through everything with you. Okay? 
You don't go through those things alone if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Now question, do difficult times come in your life and they make you question, is the Lord with me? I'd say a lot of people, there they are, that hyper-spiritual group. Oh, yeah. And that's why I believe it sometimes takes the dark time to really see the light of the Lord. Didn't Doesn't the Bible say Jesus is like a light that's come into the world? That means the world is dark. And sometimes we're going to find ourselves in dark situations. But God is there. And his light is there. Now, remember when we began this message, I said, did you ever find yourself doing something over and over? It's not right, but yet you never learned and you keep doing it. Well, here we go again. Now we're going to be in Numbers chapter 20. The Israelites, they're in another place. They're still traveling to Six Flags. I mean, the land of promise. And they're in the wilderness of Zin. And the same problem, there was a water shortage. So again, in verse 3, the people thus contended with Moses. Here they go again, complaining against Moses again. And they spoke, saying, If only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Which ones are those? I don't know. The ones in Egypt, maybe? Maybe they're thinking of them. And once again, they questioned rather than attacked the leading of Moses and Aaron's. No, I don't mean rather than, I mean rather. They questioned and attacked. Again, they didn't like the way Moses and Aaron were leading them. So Moses and Aaron did, again, what any good leader would do. They went on their faces before the Lord, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. I like that. The glory of the Lord. They knew that they were in the right place, even though things around them were not that good. Think about that. Hey, didn't David say something like that? In Psalm 23, Thou prepares a table before me in my enemies. Before my enemies. See, you can be in a bad place, and you can still be in the presence of God. And the glory of God can shine in your heart. And you can be optimistic. You can be positive. You can know that you're in good company because God is there. So here's what's going on. When the people complained, Moses prayed. Hmm. Imagine if the people prayed. Wow. That would have been something, wouldn't it? If all the people prayed, two million, the way Moses did. Man. So again, in verse 8, God meets them again in their complaint. This is the grace of God. Every time they complained about what they lacked, God met them there and gave it to them. He didn't rebuke them. He didn't say, I told you so. He didn't say, where's your faith? He met them where they are. And I think that's a good lesson for us. I think we need to know that in our human frailty, and God knows we're weak at times. I mean, come on. He knows our frame, that we're made of dust, right? You don't expect much from dust. So he'll meet you in your complaining. Okay? Don't think, if I complain, I've separated myself from God. No, God will meet you there. Okay? He will. 
He'll meet you there. So he said, take the rod, Moses, and you and your brother Aaron, assemble the congregation, and speak to the rock before their eyes. So now we've got another rock, but we've also got another approach to the rock. And he said, when you speak to the rock, it may yield its water. So here is a different approach. First time, strike it with the rod. Second time, speak to it. Now, God said, you shall thus bring forth water for them, for those complainers. That's all right. I'm going to meet their need. I know they're complaining. I know they're a bunch of crybabies, but I will still meet them in grace. So you shall bring forth water from the rock and let the congregation and their beasts drink. I mean, can you imagine how much water came out of that? <coughs> excuse me, out of that rock to feed those millions of people and all their animals? That's a lot of water. Must have been a big rock. So now in verse 9, Moses was half obedient. And this is where it gets sticky for Moses. Moses was a great man, humble, a great leader, but he still had his flaws. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord, just as God had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron, they got all the people together for this great event. And then you know what happened? Unlike God, Moses lost it. He lost it. I mean, he, he, he gets to the point where it's like, I just can't take it anymore. I can't take it. And in verse 10, Moses got up and he said, Listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? Now I'm like, wait a minute. Didn't Moses say earlier, water was God's work, not his. He can't work water miracles. Moses can't separate waters, and he can't bring water. Only God can do that. So now he's putting himself in the place of God. Shall we bring water, taking credit for what God does? Oh, we got to be careful. Taking credit for what God does. Now listen, I want to throw something in here for a second. Because sometimes people, let's say it's a church service and somebody gets up and sings a beautiful song. And then they say, oh, that was a beautiful song you sang. You know what the proper response should be? Thank you. Just say thank you. Not, ah, oh, shucks, no, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. No, the Lord was singing through me. No, say thank you. That's all. Again, we can be hyper-spiritual in that sense too. But Mo Moses, he was playing God. Because Moses did something, he, he Moses said he was going to do something that he couldn't do and take the credit for it. When you sing, that's something you can do. But you're singing to the glory of God. That's the difference. So Moses, he lifted up his hand. Uh-oh. He struck the rock. Twice. What? He struck the rock twice with the rod. And the faithfulness of God, guess what? Water came forth abundantly. Even though Moses did it the wrong way, even though he disobeyed God, 
and misrepresented God. God was true to his word. He said he would bring water from the rock, and he did. And the congregation and their beasts drank. Okay? So think about it. God had been gracious every time with the people and their complaints. And, you know, Moses didn't do bad, but he got to a point where he just couldn't take it anymore. Human beings have their limitations, but thankfully, God does not. So, here is the lesson. Water for the thirsty, bread for the hungry, home for the homeless, rest for the weary, pardon for the sinful. That is grace. That's grace. The grace of God. The grace of God is giving to people what they need, even if they don't deserve getting it. That's grace. Whether it's water for the thirsty, bread for the hungry, home for the homeless, rest for the weary, and pardon for the sinful. That's grace. And this is what makes the gospel good news. It's good news because God treats us in grace and provides for us in ways that are beyond what we deserve. And what hurts God's heart is our failure to give grace. See, if we receive grace, we should give grace. If we receive grace from God, and we do, then we should also be graceful to others. And I know personally I failed at that. Even as a pastor, I have failed to be graceful at times. And I reflect back and I'm like, oh, God has been so graceful to me. And yet I have failed to be graceful to people. God has pardoned me. And there have been times I have failed to pardon. God has forgiven me, and I've had times I've failed to forgive. And you know, life goes on, and hopefully it's a it's a growing experience that we never stop learning, and we never stop growing. And we realize that God's grace never fails. His grace has never failed me, and it's always given me more than I deserve, that's for sure. That's why it's grace. So perhaps our need brings us to the rock. And the rock is Christ. Do you have a need? Go to the rock. At that rock, you'll find grace. And it's in that place that we either receive it, and then we can give it. Always remember the rock. When you, when you hear the story of Moses and the rock... Let's remember this. That's the place of God's grace. That's the place where God gave grace to the undeserving. Moses disobeyed. Moses was misrepresenting God by striking instead of speaking. But God was true to his word. And the people were complaining again but God was still true to his word. And sometimes, you know, when I think about the story of David and his life, 
David had a rather sinful life. And that he was still the greatest king of Israel, the great-grandfather of Jesus, and God refers to Christ reigning on the throne of David. And see, why would God do that to a man like that? You know why? Because he's true to his word. And if God makes a promise, even if the individual goes off the path, God's word is faithful. And God will keep his promise. And he kept his promise to David because God is a promise keeper. And even though David went off and had 300 wives and committed adultery and committed murder, it didn't, it didn't take away God's promise. God's promises are true. And we can't stop God from being true, from being true to his word. So that should, that should be a sense of encouragement because in our own failures, God still keeps his promises to us. He does. He promises you, he promises you eternal life through his son, right? And yet we don't live a perfect life after salvation, but that salvation is still there. It doesn't go away. He kept his promise. I give to them eternal life and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. So this is, this is what we go to the rock. Go to the rock of grace in your failure, in your complaining, in your distrust. Go to the rock. And you know what? God will meet you there. And when he meets you there, he'll give you grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, right? Saved a wretch like me, a dirty wretch like me. That's the grace of God. You know, I think messages like this are helpful for people. That's why we want to share them as much as we can. And you can help us to share these messages by supporting New Hope Radio by joining the Hope Club for $3 a week. That's it. Three bucks a week. You're supporting the radio ministry and the Hope Club podcast. And we send you a devotional-style email every Monday through Friday. So you're able to receive the Word of God. It's about six minutes long, every day. Get started off on the right foot. And then you're helping us to share the grace message of the Lord Jesus. So I hope you do that. We really appreciate those of you that do. And um, if you could do that for us, that'd be awesome. More and more people need to hear about the grace of God.